Hello and welcome to the Quiet Connections podcast. I'm Hayley and in this episode we are joined by body image coach Claudine Nightingale-Rain. We will be exploring the link between body image and self-worth and why loving your body might not feel achievable or be the best goal for you. And good news, loving your body doesn't have to be the goal, as Claudine explains. We will be diving into what confidence is and isn't, talking about the things that can get in the way and how our confidence levels can fluctuate in different areas of our lives. And Claudine shares her own valuable experiences and lessons here too. And of course, as Blue Health coaches, we touch on the ripple effect of spending Blue Mind time in, on or near water, and also how overcoming a challenge such as cold water swimming can have a profound impact on the way that you feel about yourself and how you show up in life. Claudine also offers you a wonderful body kindness meditation as a free gift. So do make sure that you listen to the end for the link to download that free meditation. And in the meantime, grab a cup of tea and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Claudine. Hi, thanks for having me on. Could you please begin by sharing a little bit about your story and how you can relate to that sense of I'm not good enough or feeling socially anxious that a lot of our listeners might be feeling right now? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I grew up with feeling um, all the types of not enough. You know, I wasn't, I felt as a child, I, I didn't feel pretty enough. I didn't feel um well behaved enough like in my teens I didn't feel um bubbly enough I felt like that was a real pressure and because I didn't feel as attractive and pretty as friends then the kind of compensation would have been to be more bubbly that was the kind of the phrase of the right kind of personality to have Mm. um and I wasn't that either so I often felt I just wasn't wasn't anything enough really cool enough um outgoing enough funny enough all of the things I guess so I remember being told I was quiet and that just you know as soon as that's pointed out it just kind of makes you want to feel want to want to withdraw even more um so yeah I kind of grew up with that took that through my teens I guess and then um as soon as I kind of discovered alcohol was a way to sort of numb some of those feelings of not not feeling um, good enough, out there enough, outgoing enough, then drinking was kind of a way of counteracting that kind of, Mm. and then I kind of overcompensated. I think when I was, when I was young and drinking alcohol, I would be the, at the other extreme. So, you know, verging on cocky and bullshit and, some of those words that have been to dis- been used to describe me. Um, so yeah, I guess spent my learned a lot more about myself in my twenties and um, did a lot of growing up, and um, but still had this this um, idea that I should be more outgoing, should be more confident, yeah. should be louder, should have a louder voice. Um, and it's interesting. So in, in my 20s, I remember I was working in a job where I worked in the prison system. I would go into prisons and support um, prisoners in there with, with their release plans. And I was asked to do some training for the prison officers. And I was absolutely terrified, both at the idea of doing training to a group of people, which I'd never done at that point, 
and the fact they were prison officers and officers and they'd got a reputation of not being the most um welcoming of audiences <laughs> <laughs> so I went on a course called public speaking for scaredy cats and it was really really helpful I learned a lot of kind of mindset stuff as well as tools and techniques and funnily enough I went from that kind of place of being absolutely terrified to creating a career out of tra- training and willingly standing up in front of groups of people um and yeah talking to them about a lot of it was conflict resolution and different things like that and um there's this different thing about I've noticed over the years about if I'm given the platform um and I know I'm going to get the platform I can feel extremely confident and you know I can really get in my flow and deliver what I need to deliver and help people interact and facilitate conversation but when I'm put on the spot and feel the pressure to come up with something useful insightful intelligent (laughs) that puts me into complete freeze mode and I just feel like everyone around me is complete experts and I'm not (laughs) yeah what do you think that is oh I think I think part of it is the whole comparing my how I feel inside to how everybody else appears outside so sitting in a meeting for example you just look around the room and assume everybody knows exactly what's going on and totally understands every element of it and you're the only one thinking not sure not sure what's going on here um and like I said yeah the pressure that we put on ourselves to to know everything and you know be able to respond in the moment and I think some people are just better at um thinking on their feet and coming up with stuff instantly in that way and you know a lot of the time I'd walk away from those sorts of meetings and go oh I know what I should have said I should have talked about this that and the other that would have been brilliant (laughs) I could think of it in the moment yeah so it sounds like you're a little bit more reflective Mm, definitely definitely. yeah me too (laughs) yeah so would you consider yourself to be more introverted yes definitely so again I'm different in different situations and different groups so if I'm with my people the right kind of people who um, bring out the best in me and I feel completely comfortable with and can be can be myself Mm. I can kind of be the life and soul and quite funny and witty and stuff Um, but those situations and those people I think are quite few and far between yeah so a lot of social situations even with people I know I'll absolutely not be like that at all um and yeah getting to know getting to know myself all the time it's a constant learning journey isn't it life and knowing that it's okay to be like that I just don't I used to put expectations on myself to be able to be that more outgoing type of me um in any situation and I know that's not the case and that's absolutely fine yeah absolutely Mm. so you've gone through this journey of feeling like you're not enough in so many ways Mm. so what changed for you what changed I was thinking about this and I was thinking so a lot of people have a light bulb kind of moment don't they and something really significant happens and that light switch goes on but for me I think the last can't believe it's only the last five or so years really I think it's been a gradual process even before that but I think the big the big changes have happened over the last five years and rather than it being a sudden light bulb going on I kind of think of it as a dimmer switch um 
kind of being turned on a few years ago and then gradually turning up. And I think a, a bunch of things happening. I had a real serious burnout about five or six years ago. Really, really struggling. Had an awful lot of stressful situations happening in my life at the same time. And it was um, one of those, you know, as soon as this is sorted, things will be all right. Things will be all right. Things will be all right. And then circumstances got better and I didn't. I felt yeah. I was really, really struggling. Um, and I think that was the start of me really beginning to listen to myself accept myself treat myself with care because I'd done the usual um, thing of becoming a working mom had two children quite close together um, self-employed and pressurizing myself to work really hard and be an excellent career woman as well as an excellent mother and you know keeping the house together renovating a house completely top to bottom as you do And trying to do all the things perfectly. And yeah. yeah, I learned the hard way that that's not possible for most of us. So um, counselling and coaching and various different kind of things over the years just helped me. But yeah, the biggest thing is self-compassion and self-kindness and um, stopping myself, holding, holding myself to expectations of others. Yeah, you know the standards that I think I should be applying to myself because that's what people around me and my parents and others um, hold me to and hold themselves to. And actually, you know, knowing I can set my own standards and that's okay. <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm allowed to do that. Oh, that's beautiful. You mentioned your career there, and I know that you felt a difference in your career and your personal life. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so um, as I say, I I started, created a training career and then I um, have been, I was running my own training business for about 15 years and I guess I I became an expert on my field, quite well known, widely known and got into quite a comfortable groove of delivering the same kind of topic of training to lots of different people, lots of different industries and areas and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, given that platform to share my knowledge and, and skills around that, massively boosted my confidence. I guess it's that kind of um, the whole kind of developing those synapses and, and with the repetition and, yeah, just feeling very, very capable in those areas. Um, and and in contrast I guess in my personal life um yeah mixing socially with with new people different people just felt very different but actually as I say that I I remember that it's not um it's not just about new people it's not just about you know a, a lot of people find it intimidating and difficult to say walking to the pub to meet friends or walking to a party where they don't know many people um and those things fill me with dread. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I know they do for a lot of people, but even sometimes going and meeting my friends of 20 years could really could fill me with dread as well. I remember one particular time a few Christmases ago, and I never really did figure out what the issue was, but I was I lived down in Brighton. I was supposed to be going up to London to meet a bunch of old friends. So I was really looking forward to seeing. And I just found I just found myself feeling extremely anxious about about every element of it the the journey there crossing London being in a busy pub seeing them even seeing them like I say really people I'm comfortable with um 
and I got to a point where I decided I couldn't go and I spoke to one of the friends I was meeting and she she gave me the best advice I've ever heard she said take each step each each bit of it one step at a time which I know is common but she kind of really broke it down she said look get changed get your makeup on you don't have to leave the house if you leave the house walk to the station you can turn around and walk back home again if you get on the train you can go all the way to London and get back on the train and come all the way back home again it's just giving myself the permission of the out every single time and every single moment and I did it and I got there and I had a wonderful night and was so glad and so proud of myself for, for pushing through it's that thing of how when do we push through things like anxiety and when and and it's great if you can do that but it's also okay when if I had said that day I'm not going to do it I haven't got yeah. the strength the emotional strength to push through and I'm not going and that's okay I think that the difficulty is when you do you make a choice like that and then beat yourself up for making that choice Absolutely. I really love that, that way that you just shift that expectation of yourself. And so in our groups, we know that when people come along, like just, you know, even making contact with us in the first place is a huge Mm. step, let alone getting through the door. Mm. So just make that your goal, that small little step rather than like get there and talk to people and, you know, have a good time. Don't put the pressure on yourself and go back to the smaller step. I really love that. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So tell me, what does the phrase quiet confidence mean for you? I think quiet confidence equals confidence. Um, And what I mean by that is that I think often we mistake the kind of loud, um, you know, really in your face kind of um, outspoken confidence as as being true confidence and the only way to be confident and yet you know the most outgoing people sometimes that are verging on kind of arrogance are often like that because they're covering up they're masking um their lack of confidence underneath or low self-esteem things like that and I think true confidence is it can be more outspoken I'm not saying that everybody that's that's loud and bubbly and outspoken is has low self-esteem not saying that at all but I'm just saying it doesn't have to be like that Mm. I think um some people who are really quietly confident who um are willing to listen to other people make mistakes have a conversation about things um don't have to be right all the time I think those sorts of things to me are confidence. Um, knowing yourself and like accepting your accepting your abilities and your um, your flaws as well. Yeah, I really love that. It is about aligning ourselves with who we really truly are, which I think I'm hearing mm-hmm. in what you're saying about whether we're loud or quieter. It's about really accepting that. Yeah, and I think there's a, a bit about not having to prove it, knowing who you are. And accepting that and not having to prove it to anybody. Got nothing yeah. to prove. Yeah, that's enough. Mm. I think we've covered it a little bit, but what has gotten in the way of your own quiet confidence in the past? Yeah, I guess going back to those points about the pressure, the pressure that I have put on myself over the years and comparing myself to others. And um I think the standards that society, the the amount that that society values that um, that confidence and the outgoing personality and extroversion far more than um, introversion, I think. 
Absolutely. I think we're constantly receiving messages when we are a quieter, more introverted person that yeah. we're not good enough in some way. Um, yeah. There's a lovely introversion coach on LinkedIn that I follow. And she made a comment the other day about how extroverted kids are taught to sit still and be quiet. Mm. Um, mm. But us more introverted people are not taught how to you know, gently stretch our comfort zone and speak up in public and, mm. and do the more outgoing things that, that they do. Um, but it yeah. is just expected of us. Absolutely. But I, just as you're think, saying that, thinking back to school times when, you know, things like having to read aloud from a book, mm. um, being really, really anxious of that. So, yeah, the quieter ones are pushed to be, not in a necessarily a helpful way, pushed to um, put themselves out there, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. I would really love to see just a gentler comfort zone stretch process, like do a presentation mm. in pairs or in a small group before working your way up to doing it in front of the whole class. But yeah. I never got that opportunity and as far as I can see that it's still not there um yeah. it's just kind of expected of us and then you go up and you're red-faced and you're struggling to get your words out forgetting what you need to say and it's a bad experience and you expect the next experience to be just the same absolutely, absolutely. and then it becomes that self-perpetuating cycle doesn't it absolutely I think one of the other things for me is the the comments that I just remember I remember a few occasions people commenting on how quiet I was not I don't know what people think they're going to achieve by doing that but I remember mm. a particular gathering with friends I must have been in my early 20s and a friend of a friend said something along the lines of what's the point in you being here if you're not even going to join in um yeah which yeah just made me feel like what yeah why am I here and painful I, yeah yeah and again that was linked to right well the only way I can join in um, and be more um, be more engaged in the conversation as if I drink a load of booze and yeah yeah that's my that's the way I can do it I tried that too and I found that you know I was showing up just in a way that really wasn't me and then you know without the booze I'm feeling bad and and also feeling like I've just created a huge expectation for me to live up to and that was really hard absolutely yeah so true so your work is all about self-acceptance, self yeah. growing that self-worth and self-esteem. And you work mainly around body image. So do you want to talk about the relationship between body image and self-worth? Absolutely. I call myself body image coach. And when I first started out in this work, I talked about um, being a body positive coach. And I've, sh I've moved away from that terminology because I think, unfortunately, the term body positivity has been kind of co-opted and turned in some circumstances into kind of toxic positivity and the idea of oh just love your body you know just love your body it's wonderful you're all beautiful embrace your flaws and um yeah we're all gorgeous and let's go get on with our lives and I think that is just unrealistic unhelpful for a lot of people mm. if people are in self-loathing and body loathing just telling them to love themselves is not it's not going to work it's going to be way too far off and it doesn't even have to be the long-term goal. Um, people accepting their bodies and starting to respect them and care for them can absolutely be more than enough for, for a lot of women, like I say, if they're start, especially if they're starting from real self-loathing. Um, so I think the I think that this parallel absolutely fits with 
self-worth generally you know if somebody's really not feeling good about themselves telling them to love themselves talking about self-love is just it's just too foreign it's just too far away yeah um and I think we can get so much from whether it's self-acceptance or, or body acceptance um that we can feel great and I always say to my clients you know I don't advocate um I don't advocate self-love and I don't look in the mirror every day now I've done all this work and now I share this work with others I don't look in the mirror every day and go whoa I'm so hot <laughs> some days I do some days I'm just like okay fair enough let's let's focus on things that are more important than my body and how I look so the parallel between self-acceptance and body acceptance is I think really clear and I think which comes first to me is chicken and egg I think for some people I work with their self-esteem is low and that has an impact on their body image and for other people the core problem difficulty they're struggling with is their body image and that has a ripple effect onto all areas of their life yeah so women struggling with their bodies how they feel about their bodies being kind of disconnected from their bodies or really being uncomfortable it can stop it can hold them back from so much in their lives you know we think of it as just kind of the focus in being on the aesthetics and um they just feel a bit rubbish in their clothes but um, you know, it can stop people walking out the door because they don't want people to look at them. They, it can stop them being intimate with partners or it can stop them looking for a partner if they're single and they want a relationship. Yeah. It can stop us trying to progress in work or our careers. It can stop us taking on hobbies where we might feel that we're going to be looked at and disapproved of. It can, it can, yeah, our social circles, all of it, it can affect every single area of our lives. Absolutely. I remember as a a 16 year old, I was going around, you know, breathing in and Mm. I was actually quite slim, but I didn't see that at the time. And I was just breathing in, you know, not breathing into my gut like we need to be to access that courage within us. Um, and, And even now, only a couple of weeks ago, I had a meltdown because I was like, I had to get into my wetsuit to do my marine mammal medic course and I did not fit after lockdown (laughs) and I hadn't you know hadn't realized that this weight was creeping on throughout lockdown and then suddenly there it is bam it's like really clear in my face and Mm. it's brought to light that actually this is a bit of an issue for me as well it's something that I struggle with personally um are you seeing more of this now that lockdown is over yeah Absolutely. And, you know, there's that, that handful of people who who got so unbelievably fit and, you know, <laughs> created home gyms and all the rest of it during lockdown. But the vast majority of us weren't motivated to get out there and yeah. exercise and move that much. We did. We might have done our kind of walks most days. Um, but I just yeah, I just think there's so much worse that, that has come out of, of the pandemic for so many people than gaining some weight. You know, if people have survived it with their health and physical and mental health intact and their careers, home lives, families, etc., um, then brilliant. Let's not focus on having put on a bit of weight. Our bodies are naturally meant to change. They go up and down and that's okay. If it's not your natural body size, it'll it'll come off. And if it doesn't, that's okay as well. Um and yeah, combined with the time of year and especially a few months ago and the whole gotta get your beach body ready, we've got to be ready, we've got to be slim for the whatever it was supposed to be, 21st of June when lockdown lifts. And why? I just start saying to people, you know, 
if you're worried about the people you you see in real life for the first time in a long time judging you because you've put on weight then it sounds really harsh but are those the people you need in your life yeah that's really wise if they're not if they're not just happy to see you and be able to have a hug then yeah why do you care what they think uh yeah focus on focus on the good stuff focus on why you're connecting in the first place and for me I really noticed that I had a choice to either continue thinking those negative thoughts about myself and I very easily could have and spiraled right down or I could have shifted my attention onto what really mattered. Absolutely. And so I chose to focus on why I was going, what was important about that for me. Um, I borrowed a man's shorty wetsuit and on the drive there, I gave myself a pat on the back for just letting go of the expectations that I had for myself and my worries about wearing the right thing to fit in and just focus on doing the course because I wanted to. Um, And that was really an achievement to be celebrated for me. Absolutely. So what has been your most significant comfort zone stretch in your life? Hmm, tricky. Um, I think quite a few things from, um, yeah, I mean, that example I gave already about the, the Christmas gathering in London that um yeah it's interesting that that would have been something that I you know on many many occasions I traveled up to London to meet the same group of friends in a noisy pub and had no issues but the um comfort zone stretch was doing it when I was feeling that real real um overwhelming anxiety for doing it yeah. um so I guess that would be one thing um Things like throwing myself out of a plane with a parachute on <laughs> a number of years ago. <laughs> what was the the gift or the lesson in in taking on those and overcoming that fear? So yeah, so just that um, we can do hard things, and each time you do a hard thing, then yeah, it gives you more confidence that you can do it next time. I guess. Yeah. Um, one one thing I was thinking about about comfort zone stretch. So I've been cold water swimming for the last three years, all, all year round. And I remember I start the way I started was it was I think it was in March, which I picked the coldest time of the year in the sea to get in. <laughs> <laughs> Why not really really push yourself? And um, I was jogging along the seafront, and I as as always was admiring the swimmers coming out of the sea in March in freezing conditions, and um, I decided to go and just say hi to some of them, which in that, even that in itself was pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And I just had the urge to do it on this day. Um, and walked up to them and just sort of said, you know, I, I just really admire you guys for doing this in the winter and I wish I could do it. And they kind of all turned around pretty much simultaneously and said, why can't you? And I was like, ah, not sure I've got an answer for that. <laughs> Good question. It was a a real lesson in what's stopping me. Just me. The only thing stopping me is me, my head, my my mindset, my inner critics saying that's not for you, or you're not that type of person, or yeah, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that. So after a couple of weeks of persuasion, I got myself in, and I've barely been out of the water since. That's amazing. I know that um, cold water swimming is really beneficial to our health. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So it's, it's beneficial for our bodies, for our minds. It's, um, you know, the whole um, 
blue mind thing, the kind of meditative state we can get in when we are on or in or near the water um, can just be really, really, really calming and um, give us some real, a real sense of well-being. Um, I know there's lots of um, lots of benefits around being in an environment that's that's close to the water. Like people who live nearer the coast, for example, are generally more healthy, physically and mentally healthy. Mm. There's um, elements of social connection that we get by being by the sea. And it's just that there's a lot of science out there now, isn't there, that proves all these things that people have just known for ages. I, I went past the hospital in Brighton the other day and it said something about the original build. They're doing massive building works and the original building was built as a hospital. And um, I can't remember the terminology, but it's something to do with in the Victorian times, people coming down from London and other parts of England to get in the sea as a form of um, medicine and a form of therapy yeah even back then it's incredible isn't it Mm, absolutely people knew it's ancient wisdom and we're just coming back to it now (laughs) Uh, so you are a a blue health coach like me um and I know that you bring this into your body image coaching work Mm. so do you want to explain how those two things work together absolutely so um in practical terms I get people in the sea if that's something they want to do I meet a lot of women um, a lot of my clients come to me through the the swimming world I guess and um or the or they have a desire for swimming and they've done what I did three and a bit years ago watch people going in the sea going I wish I could I can only get in in the middle of July kind of thing where the weather's like glorious like this um so I help people I help people I work with get in the sea if that's what they want to do and then we kind of you know, connect all those things about um, how it's, like I said about myself, it's a mindset thing. It's only ourselves holding ourselves back. And we kind of ent- entwine that within the whole um, building self-worth and self-esteem stuff around body image as well. Um, some people come to me f- for coaching and they're already experienced sea swimmers and they love it. So we actually do our sessions in the sea. Um Sometimes we do our sessions at the beach. I've got um, a friend's beach hut, who I, which I borrow. So if the weather's terrible, we can still sit in the beach hut, have the doors open, but sheltered from the wind and rain, and we look at the sea. And um, I try and just incorporate it into my work as much as possible, talk about how things like um, when we work on body appreciation and gratitude, I do a lot of work around getting people to really think about what their bodies do for them. So I do exercises like Think about every single thing your body has had to do to get you here today, to get you in the sea, um, to keep you in the sea, keep you floating, help you swim, all of those sorts of things, warm you up after you get out. Um, And then also using the seascape as as metaphor, as um, perspective, you know, sitting and looking at the horizon and kind of reflecting on opening our mind to the infinite possibilities that are out there all those sorts of things. And then I do some work online as well. So then I bring as much of that as possible into, into the online work I do yeah, and encourage people to get into their own water in whatever way that can be. So for some, they have no interest in open water swimming at all and might be about um, advocating cold showers because we know they can be really beneficial to our, our mental and physical health as well. Yeah. 
It's absolutely mind-blowing just thinking about, yeah, what what is our body doing for us just to to get somewhere mm-hmm. or just to get up in the morning? It's amazing absolutely. what it just does without us even thinking about it. Exactly. And so many things we take for granted and we just focus when they go wrong, don't we? Yeah, so much that we can appreciate. So can you tell us what is inspiring you right now? You know, maybe you're reading or listening to something or... Always got several books on the go. <laughs> <laughs> um I just started the book More Than a Body by um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite, who um, run the Beauty Redefined program. And they are all about recognising that we are worth so much more than um, how we look. And we're put on this earth for far more than being objectified by others and by ourselves. Um, And actually, that just makes me think of I put a post on Instagram earlier on about so the Norwegian handball team I think it is in the Olympics have um, just been fined because the women refused to wear the bikini bottoms I wanted to wear still quite brief cycling shorts with their bikini tops and that's not regulation and they have to wear these tiny skimpy bikini bottoms and yet the men can wear shorts that are down to four inches above their knees and um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite had actually posted stuff about how how objectifying that is and how you know who makes these rules why are the rules different for men and women yeah and what is that rule all about it doesn't make you a better handball player to wear a tiny skimpy bikini than if you're wearing long leggings and a long sleeved shirt for example Mm. um and then they quoted all this research about how people women in particular when they are forced to wear things that they feel self-conscious and uncomfortable in they perform differently even to the extent that there was an experiment with um women split into groups some asked to wear bikinis or swimsuits and the others um, wearing baggy jumpers and then asked to do something like maths problems and the ones wearing bikinis and swimsuits didn't do as well as the ones wearing sweaters and, and and covering themselves up more and it's just fascinating this thing about um yeah, how how we how we feel in what we are either forced to wear or we put pressure on ourselves to wear. Yeah, um, can have an impact on so many things. So many things. Um, I find my clients inspiring. Um, just the shifts that they they talk about, and they often say, "Oh, it's only a little thing," but and actually, that little thing really represents something that's a huge mindset shift for them. Yeah. Um, so the more I believe the more and more they can celebrate those recognize those and make those connections and see them as more than a, a little thing um the more those new neural pathways are being built and the more that um that change is more likely to be sustainable and stay with them mm. so yeah I find them really really inspiring have you got a special story about how someone has kind of overcome that fear of getting in the water or the cold um and then that's translated into their everyday life yeah I mean yeah it's kind of ongoing really so on my current program I've got somebody who um who had no she was one of the had no real interest in cold water swimming you know it wasn't even I want to do it and I didn't it was not really bothered about that Mm. um and then she's been doing my program we're in we're on week nine now of 10 weeks and um a few weeks in, I do a session on blue minds specifically and blue spaces and get people to, um, what I do is I set a challenge and I kind of set the theme of the challenge and they choose a challenge that, that is specific to them. 
Um, so it's really tailored. And um, she just decided, right, I'm going to go, going to go and book a session at my local um, reservoir just to see what it's like. I might hate it. And she is absolutely hooked. And it's just given her this huge confidence in um, I didn't. I didn't think I could do it. So I think when she said I wasn't interested in doing it, it was actually an underlying tiny, tiny speck of a desire, which she yeah. pushed down because she didn't think she was capable. Yeah. And now she knows she can do stuff that is hard and it's just given us so much confidence in every other area of our life. It's just oh, incredible. That's beautiful. I think we do that so much to ourselves. We keep ourselves in this little box where we think, you know, I'm this this type of person and therefore I can't do this sort of thing mm. um yeah. I remember like you know I kept myself in this little shy box and I wouldn't speak up and stuff and if, if I ever felt like I did want to say something I was like well that doesn't fit with who I am so yeah. I didn't want to try yeah. it <laughs> absolutely absolutely and sometimes when you feel shy and you feel you know as soon as you open your mouth you feel everybody's staring at you because they're so amazed that you're speaking and <laughs> yes <and> then <laughs> <laughs> then you get more comments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So what's your advice to listeners who are navigating this sense of low self-confidence and body image confidence? I think for me, the number one thing about above everything else is self-compassion, self-kindness, and setting realistic goals like we were talking about at the beginning, yeah. you know, just not not saying I have to go from naught to 60 and love myself by a week next Tuesday, um, setting those really small, manageable, bite-sized um, goals, looking to looking to see what, what parts of yourself you can accept mm. and, um, and be grateful for. I've got a really nice body kindness meditation, which is like a body scan, but it's actually going through and thinking, encouraging people to think about you know, what does my head do for me? What does my head enable me to do? Well, it's got eyes in it that enable me to see the world. It's got ears that enable me to join in conversations. It's got a mouth that enables me to speak and taste and breathe. Um, and my nose enables me to smell the roses and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, and going down the, the whole body. So even if we don't like what we see in the mirror, we start to develop this um, acknowledgement and gratitude and acceptance for our bodies and the more we start to accept and be grateful and appreciate them I think the more we treat them better and um, that has a positive impact on our our well-being and how we see ourselves and it can just start to snowball into like a really positive image of ourselves I think yeah absolutely that sounds like a wonderful meditation is that accessible absolutely so you can just go to my um, website which is um, seascape blue .co.uk um, and it's on that that front page you pop your details in there and you get sent the meditation oh fantastic I'll pop that in the show notes for people to go and download um, so finally what would you say to your younger self um oh crikey I was wondering <laughs> what I could say to my younger self that I would actually have listened to <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough bit <laughs> yeah because I know um yeah I didn't think anyone had anything worth listening to I was just yeah as a teenager I guess felt quite um misunderstood I guess yeah. therefore most things that most adults in particular would say I wouldn't 
didn't think they'd got, they didn't, they didn't get me. They didn't know what it was like to be me. Um, but what I'd want to say is, is that, you know, you're okay and you're okay exactly as you are. You don't need to change. People who are pressuring you or making you feel like you want to change aren't really your friends. If they want you to be different to how you really are, then they're not your friends. And you will find friends. And as hard as that would be to hear, um, yeah, because that's all we're desperate for. We just want to be liked as a, as a kid, as a human, don't we? We just want to be liked, we want to be part of the tribe. So we kind of end up clinging on, or I ended up clinging on to people who were very unhealthy for me in many ways. Um, so, yeah, yeah. If they want you to be different, then they are not your people. And they, yeah. don't, they don't deserve you, maybe. I like that. We so often do cling on to those people who just, you know, aren't very good for us and or do mm. want us to be different. And and then we experience more criticism and also more sort of inner conflict as well. Mm. So what would you say to those people who are really worried about what other people think of them? So I think I'd say that um, we always think we can read people's minds, don't we? And we think we know what they're thinking about us. Mm. Um, I think the majority of the time people are so worried about themselves, how they look, how they're coming across, what they're doing, that they don't even notice us. They might be looking in our direction, but they're not looking at us. Maybe they are looking at us and they're admiring our dress, our lippy, our hair, whatever it may be. And maybe that tiny, small proportion are looking at us and judging. And um, yeah, we put so much emphasis on the thoughts and the opinions of complete random strangers and why do we why do we give it so much uh, value when actually it's the whole, one of the hardest messages that I've kind of learned over the last few years it's none of our business what other people think of us yeah and if we can kind of it's hard like I say but if we can get our heads around that it can just be so liberating why do we care yeah. what a bunch of randoms think of us really <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I, I read that people judge in areas where they feel the most shame as well yeah absolutely so that can be helpful to think about definitely I mean especially with the body stuff you know people there's so much um trolling goes on online of people who choose to show themselves as they are and they might not have what society calls a perfect body and I think a lot of that trolling is is from people who are scared maybe they've got that Maybe they've got that perfect body, but they probably have to work so hard to keep it. Mm. And they're so scared because society has told them that that is their value. And if they don't have that perfect body, they won't be loved. They won't be desirable. They won't be as worthy and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that that hate that comes out actually comes from a place of fear. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So just remind us where we can find you, please. So on Instagram and Facebook, I am Seascape Blue. Yeah, the title that reflects where I where I feel myself most happiest <laughs> and do all my work, get all my inspiration. And um, my website's seascapeblue.co.uk. I'd love to have you come along. As I said, the meditations on there that you can download and yeah, hopefully hook up with some of the listeners. I'd love to. Ideal. That's a wonderful free gift. Thank you for sharing. And um, yeah, hopefully we have inspired some people to get out to the sea today. <laughs> Absolutely. Or any body of water or or get in a cold shower if it's as hot as it is here. <laughs> get the sprinkler out. That's another one that brings joy to most people. Get the sprinkler out if you have one. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for joining us, Claudine. Thank you for having me. And thank you to you for listening to the podcast. Please do help us to reach more quieteers in the world by rating and sharing the podcast. And for this episode's show notes, please head over to quietconnections.co.uk forward slash blog. Please do stay connected with us on all platforms and we will be back next week with a brand new podcast episode.